Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 110. My name's Sean Tiber and I'm a coder who teaches. And my name's Kelly Schuster Paredes and I'm a teacher who codes. And this week is all about Circuit Python. We are excited to talk through this and we have a very special guest who many of you may have recognized on the byline of I think about every other Adafruit learning guide. We're joined today by Katni Rembor from Adafruit. She's a creative engineer over there and has written everything from the Welcome to Circuit Python guide to the most advanced, uh, crazy, technical, cool things that you can think of on the platform. And we're just thrilled to have her. Welcome, Katni, to the show. We're excited to talk with you today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. And uh, Katni has, has been a good friend and a good wingman for... Uh, wing person, I guess, for uh, for PyCon. Like we've gotten to know her over the years and and it, it just is an extra great opportunity to hang out together and, and talk more about the things we love, which is Python and hardware, or at least two out of the three of the people on the call love uh, hardware with Python. <laughs> right, Kelly? I wonder who. <laughs> so unfair. No, and I'm excited. I wish you were we were in person because every time we're in person, I learn so much from you. And, you know, I always beg for for circuit playgrounds. So <laughs> COVID <laughs> last, last year. For sure. Last year but no, that's good to hear. I'm glad. Like learning things every time is an excellent thing to happen. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Well, why don't we uh, we jump into the wins of the week? Um, Katni, we're going to have you go first because it's fun to make our guests go first. And it gives me a second to uh, formulate my thoughts. Okay. So uh, my win this week was that uh, we I'm, I'm currently writing a guide for um, a particular thing that is basically two uh, keyboard key switches. And they have NeoPixels behind them. Um, and to do a lot of uh, fancy NeoPixel stuff, it's hard to do with the key presses just based on, you know, it's, it's polling constantly. And, and so something might block something else. Um, so I ended up writing a, a very simple example that worked out really well. And each time you press one of the keys or the other key, it turns the led a random color using rand int. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it turns out I've, I've actually been fidgeting with it quite a bit. Um, and it's, uh, it almost becomes a game to try and get them to the same color because it's, it's, any number of colors, there's there's 256 options um, across the whole rainbow. So I was really happy with that. Uh, and it actually didn't take me all that long, which was another win bonus. I didn't bang my head against it for very long. So I'm really happy about that because often I spend way too much time trying to figure out how to make things work. Uh, and I didn't have to this time and I made a really fun demo. So that was my win. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. awesome. Like I, I love anything with NeoPixels in it because it just makes everything so much more fun and, and uh, colorful and enjoyable. And I know our students have enjoyed that too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm a huge, huge fan. Yeah, they love the colors when they, they get to pick. They see the colors on uh, like on a website. We give them the RGBs and just having them kind of try to get the pixels the same color. It's always a super win. You get to see what the color likings are. And I don't know, it's kind of like a personality tracker when you look at the, oh, look how cute is it? There we go. Oh, wow. Hold oh, on. that's so cool. So, so they're kind of close, but they're not the same color, right? It's, it's, ah. And then, so they, I'm, I'm looking at this. So these are keyboard switches with NeoPixels underneath them. And then you've got kind of like a clear keycap on top of it. that yep, lets it's it translucent. It's sort of smoke colored. Oh, nice. On my face, it might actually focus. Um, and it's, so running yeah, it's off translucent. like a, 
running off like a cutie pie for that one? Yep, cutie pie RP twenty forty. Nice. I have a whole bunch of those in the classroom. <laughs> That's great. They're they're excellent little boards. Um, and these are breakouts uh, that work with uh, Cherry MX or MX oh, nice. compatible switches. And there's a version that runs with the uh, Kale Chalk low profile switches as well. And this this guide that I'm writing will be for both. Nice. The code and so on is identical. It's just the boards are a little different. All right. And what's the Adafruit part number of that? And how many of them should I order? <laughs> um, I actually don't know off the top of my head what the part numbers are. We'll put um, it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you one thing. Uh, the MX version is probably a better option if you do pick any of them up because MX switches are a lot easier to find than the chalk switches. Nice. Nice. Very cool. I, uh, I have uh, given a lot of my paychecks over to Adafruit over the years and gotten so much more back out of it. So it's been it's been fun. All right, Excellent. Kelly, how about you? Uh, win this week? Well, mine's an obvious uh, kind of lame win. I'm on summer vacation, hence the tank top and, you know, the wine at three o'clock. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like over the I literally have watched uh, a lot of TV in the past two days, just enjoying the fact that I didn't have to wake up and do any coding. I try to get back into my regular coding schedule and I've coded a little bit for an hour or two trying to remit, practice all the stuff I learned um, over the past six months. But, you know, I just needed downtime. And I keep telling myself I, I earned this downtime and I'm going to I'm going to take this week. So that's my huge win is just forcing myself to stop and relax. I even bought a big raft for the pool. I laid in it for like two minutes. And then I was like, okay, let's go. What do I got to do? <laughs> but I at least rested for a little bit. That's that so on brand for you, Kelly. Like you, you rested <laughs> so for two bad. straight minutes consecutively. <laughs> yeah. And then I was booking a whole bunch of people for the summer. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't stop too much, but nice. that was my win. Good on you though. That's an excellent one. Yeah, nice. it was hard, long time coming. So, nice, Sean. So my win has been that I've been developing a lot of training over the last three weeks or so um, for our summer interns, and we've covered everything from an introduction to cloud computing, talking about infrastructure as code. We've been doing um, a lot of uh, like non-technical training about like how to communicate effectively in a technical environment. Uh, time management and prioritization techniques. So trying to be very comprehensive and the most useful things for an intern to know to be successful over the course of the summer. But the the win behind this is I've gotten really good at using the the MARP tool for generating presentations. So it's a way to write markdown code and have that transformed into presentations that you can uh, put together. Now, you could probably do like a lot nicer, more sophisticated, more beautiful presentations with Keynote or PowerPoint or something else, right? But for me to just put together bullets and things that people can follow as we're talking through something, it works extremely well because I can write all of it in code and have it generate a PDF version or an HTML version um, actually while I'm writing it. So in VS Code, I have my Markdown on the left, and I have a MARP previewer using a plugin on the right, and it shows me all of my slides. So you can put background images in there and pictures and things like that and, and use all of your standard Markdown tools. Um, but then what really helped me, um, particularly with my procrastination and getting over the, the writer's block of getting things started, is that you can ask ChatGPT to make a presentation for you in MARP format, and it does a pretty good job of roughing it out. 
So it helps me get to a point where I at least have something to start with. And then I keep going with it and make it my own. And, and the win has been being that productive to create all of this content and all of these lessons um, and trainings um, in a very short amount of time and be very responsive to what my interns are asking for and what they're looking for. Well done. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, and, and what can't chat GPT do? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, not well, I'm not saying what can it do well, just what can it do? Cause <laughs> we're not going to get into that conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a different one. I mean, and the, and the fail from this is kind of the same thing as the win, which is I have been, because it's been so easy to create these and, and get my thoughts out into slides. I haven't been giving myself enough time to really do it well. Um, so like my, my trainings have been pretty good and I've been kind of winging it and it's working pretty well and they seem to be responding to it well, but I know I could be doing better if I was giving myself more time to, to focus on it and really prioritize it. So it's like the win is that I can do it pretty close to when they need it. The fail is that because I'm doing it that close, I end up running out of time and not doing as well as I, I think I could be. So it's the same win, same fail, I guess. Yeah. Kelly, any, any fails on your side this week? No, I mean, no, no. I'm just going to say no. I think it was all good. I, you know, we, we go into other fails the other day, you know, but no, no fails. All right. Good. Live that. <laughs> Katni, any, any fails on your side? You know, I gave it a lot of thought <laughs> because I wanted, I wanted to find one and uh, I haven't had anything in the last week or so that has been enough of a failure that there's been anything to learn. Um, or I don't remember it, which is equally possible, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've nothing, uh, nothing going on that, uh, was, was enough of a fail to, to be worth mentioning. Okay. Oh, I have a bonus fail. I, I triggered a, <laughs> I triggered an hour long outage for, um, our single sign on login system for all of Europe, Africa, the Middle East and, and Asia on Friday. Hopefully well, you, you learned quickly know. from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably like 50, 60,000 users maybe, but thankfully it was like 5 PM on a Friday or later their time. So hopefully no one noticed. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's not not all wins all the time. Sometimes it's an oh no, and I totally missed the alert notification that said like, hey, there's a problem. <laughs> so we, yeah, that there was there was a great root cause analysis on like what could we be doing better next time. So <laughs> excellent. Well, let's get started right. in this conversation. Let's I want to talk it. about all this. All right, good. All right, let's get into it. So let's talk Circuit Python. So. Um, Katni, can you give us just the basics for our audience if they haven't um, heard of CircuitPython before and what it is? Like, I know you do this really well. That's why I'm kicking it over to you. You've, you've presented this so many times. But um, what is CircuitPython and, and why do we use it for learning and teaching? So uh, CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs on tiny computers called microcontrollers. This uh, little itty-bitty board right here is a microcontroller. Um, and it's not full python it's a it's a subset of python there are parts of python that are too big or don't make sense for microcontroller use and so uh, for example numpy isn't available for um circuit python because it's just too big to run on a microcontroller but we do have a subset of that called uh, micro lab um so we do you know try to 
compensate for those those situations. But uh, the the gist of it is that you you won't be able to take your Python code and just drop it in there and have it work. You may need some modifications. Um, and CircuitPython, the we we designed it specifically for beginners and for learning. And the idea was we wanted to lower the barrier uh, to entry for folks who want to get into programming and electronics. And um, it it does exactly that. Uh, it's super simple to get going. We have so many guides um, on doing that, both board specific and there's a main guide. Um, and it it creates a situation where you can you can start to learn very quickly and you can interact with the physical world very quickly. Uh, Python is a lot about uh, data manipulation and CircuitPython is about manipulating the physical world. And for me, that made the difference of me being able to learn Python or not. I started with CircuitPython, um, tried to learn Python and, and couldn't and uh, just could it didn't. It wasn't working for me and then found CircuitPython and never stopped running. Um, so it runs on microcontrollers. And uh, just like Python, there are libraries. And these libraries are either helper libraries or uh, hardware libraries. And uh, the major difference between your Python code and your CircuitPython code is that you have to tell CircuitPython where to look for the hardware that you're using. So there would be an extra set of lines underneath your imports that would be doing that and telling, telling CircuitPython where, where you actually wired things up, where things are connected to the microcontroller physically. And the rest of it is, is, is pretty common uh, in terms of Python. Um, you know, you can, in your, in your code, you can have definitions, you can have classes, you can, uh, your control flow is the same, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, other than working with hardware, it, the, the format of it is very, very similar. If you already know Python, you'll be very comfortable in CircuitPython. And if you don't know any of it, CircuitPython makes it very easy to get started. And that would be the reason why it's often used for learning and teaching um, is that it it provides a different way into learning Python, manipulating uh, an LED or something to make it blink um, or using a temperature sensor to you know get the temperature, things like that. Um, for some folks, that is far more of a hook than uh, doing math um, or other basic Python things. Um, so it's it's a great situation because you can you can get the folks who need that extra push into programming um, and electronics, whether or not they like it. And uh, you know everybody everybody gets really excited about it and it's an easier uh, way to learn it and and, and, uh, and it expands the horizons in terms of what you can actually do with it. Nice. I, and I think like for me, one of the things I really liked about CircuitPython was um, like there are constraints that are enabling, right? Um, so one of the things that's a little bit challenging about Python on computers and running it in, um, you know, the full environment is that you can do pretty much anything, right? So you could, you know, you could get sports scores, you could connect to the internet, you can make text adventure games, you can draw things, you can do all of these different things. And because you have some constraints, like there's only so much you can load onto a board, right? It only yeah. has so much memory. It only has so much processor power. Like you have some limits to what you can do and you have to be very careful about what you bring in. 
but those limits actually breed some really interesting creativity, right? And some thoughtfulness and some introspection on how you're approaching solving the problem that I think is a little, is sometimes lacking when you have the resources of a modern computer at your disposal, like a full computer. Um, we, we've actually done every project that you just listed off with CircuitPython. <laughs> well, fine. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you just said, we've, we've done it. So it, it also, well, it also, the limitations also breed the creativity in, um, in the, in the core code, right? Because you have to create slim enough core code that it, it is running on this microcontroller and it's not limiting how much code you can use. Um, so it, it works both, both directions in terms of like, everybody has to work within those limitations, whether it's the developers or users or library writers, et cetera. And it changes a little bit how those things are, are written. Um, because we want to make sure that folks can do exactly the things you're talking about. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's a really good point and a very fair one too. And I'm, I'm Kelly, I promise I will let you speak here. I just, I'm sorry. He gets nerded <laughs> out on this. So I'm going to let I'm him so talk most about of the it. show. So. <laughs> I, I'm so excited. I, I think it's, I think it's a really good point because like you said, every, every project that I just mentioned has been done on CircuitPython. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like it all stems from this, like, well, you can't get sports scores on a circuit Python. It's like someone's like, hold my coffee. I'm going to make this happen. Right. Or uh, like, you can't do that. Like, hold my hold my drink. I'm going to go make that happen. Right. Like, it's that like determination that we will find a way to figure it out and use like use what's available to us in clever and creative ways to make it happen. And that's also one of my favorite things about working with hardware and working with circuit Python specifically. Funny story, uh, when we first started doing um, things where we were pulling information from from the internet and uh, like maybe uh, bus routes or something like that and displaying it on uh, on a display, we, we did many different projects with this. And about four months after we started, somebody finally says, should we do sports scores? <laughs> and somebody else said... Uh, I guess. And it didn't even, it didn't even occur to anyone, right. not a single person on, on our team, not a single person in management. Nobody even thought about doing sports scores until about four months after we started doing the exact thing that would let somebody do that. Right. Um, so we did a couple sports scores things and obviously they're very, very, very popular. Um, but yeah, that just, just gives you an idea of the type of people I work with. <laughs> We're going to back it up a little bit because there's a lot of people who are not as savvy with hardware. Because um, in the classroom, if you're with 20-something kids and everyone's having some sort of issue and it's either the connection wire or the breadboard or the Mac's not picking up or something, somebody named it not main and not code or they don't have a library, it gets a little bit crazy. But at the same time, I just want to go back into the advantages for education before we get into the troubleshooting, because I have a couple of people that are avid listeners and um, really want to get into uh, Circuit Python this year. But some of the advantages of education, and I'm like spinning right now on that a micro lab thing, because I was like, oh, data analysis on the Circuit Python, that sounds great. That's a new challenge accepted because I love data. Um, but what are other advantages? I'm, I'm thinking obvious science connections. Here's sensors, real life data. Um, you have art kind of thing. Here's some creativity. Go ahead and uh, push. Tell me the craziest things that maybe connects with like, humanities or English. Or have you seen anything done 
that would be advantageous for everyone else. Um, real quick thing about Microlab. Uh, the yeah. coolest thing that I've ever seen done with it was at PyCon this year. And there were uh, two, two folks who, who got one of the blue fruits because obviously the um, circuit playground wasn't big enough to handle it. And they used uh, Fourier transforms to measure based on just pulling it back and letting it go, measuring how far up the wire they were holding it based on the pendulum swing. Uh, physics. Yeah. I wonder how, what, here, Katni, here's a challenge for you. Have somebody write something up and visualize it with Dash because that's like my new passion now. Dash is a okay. library with Plotly and it does ah. data visualization and you can have like all these beautiful graphs. There you go. Gotcha. Someone at Adafruit, write it up for me because, you know, I will be banging my head a lot harder than, than you guys will. But uh, yeah, so, uh, science. Yeah. So advantages. Um, I mean, that is, that's an example of a, of a, you know, obscurely creative thing to choose to do. Uh, I, that we have no, we have no note about how, about doing something like that anywhere that was completely from them. Um, but in terms of, you know, humanity, I guess, um, there's the ability to do a lot of environmental sensing. And as per the Northeast right now, that is something that would be really, really good for humanity is to have like real quick DIY, um, air quality sensors to know whether you should be actually wearing a respirator in your house or not, you know, and things like that. Um, and that, I mean, that's a, that's just a, that's a particular example, but we have seen circuit Python go to space on, uh, microsatellites. Um, we have, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different projects that would, that would apply to this sort of thing. I mean, there's, you know, physics, obviously example there. Um, I don't so much know in terms of English what, what you, I, I feel like somebody could come up with something and I'm sure somebody some will. Sort of natural language, maybe some sort. Oh, can you do like speech to text and something in CircuitPython? I don't know. I'm not sure. There you because go, another... I, I have, well, I haven't done the machine learning stuff. Um, yeah. One of my coworkers has been doing most of that and I don't know how much of it was done in CircuitPython or how much of it required um, like a Raspberry Pi to do. Because okay. um, there's been projects with both. Uh, so, um, like CircuitPython when was used to track, um, a cat, uh, like, like a cat would walk by and it would know that the cat had walked oh. by. Um, that was, that was done on a, on a CircuitPython board without desktop, uh, being necessary. Um, wow. so there is some, you know, uh, some machine learning stuff that's, that's viable. Um, science-wise, there's so many things. Um, it, we, we did this, this is a vague example but we did a um a project that was like a a, sh a shaker type thing that are in uh, chemistry labs for agitating your chemical mix uh mm -hmm. for five minutes and so you're not sitting there doing this very carefully for five minutes and those things cost tens of thousands of dollars we did it for 30 and wow. And that's a that's a pretty huge thing because it makes that sort of thing accessible to anyone or almost anyone, right? Because nobody's got 
well, people do, but I'm saying like most people don't have tens of thousands of dollars sitting around to to agitate their stuff. They would just sit there and do this if that's how much it was really going to cost. But 30 bucks, that's doable. And I think one of the biggest places that we that and this is this has already been is being done. So I, I know for a fact that this can affect a lot of people is assistive technology. Um, simple two simple examples. One is a, a, a door opener that's controlled by someone, something on someone's chair, for example, um, 17 to $40,000. We did it for 45, I think. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, it's basically taking like stuff that is totally inaccessible to most people. And instead there's just, for example, uh, one, uh, one young woman had no door on her bedroom because, she couldn't control it. So the only way for her to be able to get reasonably in and out without someone else like knowing when she needed to is to just have no door. And um, we uh, there's a group of people um, called AT Makers, and they do a lot of stuff where they'll actually have like local high school groups do the actual builds and take them to the people so they can work all over the world, even though they're you know stationed in one state. Um. And this particular young woman uh, was now able to slam the door of her bedroom in her brother's face. (laughs) And that was like the biggest thing for her was just to be able to say, like, get out of my room and then close the door. And but it makes a huge difference in these people's lives. It's it's very small stuff. But the ability to open and close a door when you've never been able to is mind blowing. Right. So assistive technology is a huge thing. And it's. CircuitPython makes it quite easy to do. So the other thing is, if if you're interested, if you're more into, if you don't need it, but you want to contribute, it's also easy to do because the the code is not that complicated to do these things. I mean, obviously the integration into the chair part of it is a little more complicated Mm -hmm. and that's where you'd need someone who does this all the time and they know how these things work. But the making of the actual, you know, chunk of hardware that does the closing and the opening based on a signal um, is very, is very doable. So, yeah, I think that's like what inspires me the most to force myself into hardware. And I think that's where Sean and I found the passion to get into circuit Python because that ability to let the, the kids just go crazy and get creative is, is huge. And we sort of brought this up a little bit pre-show, but I've been reflecting a lot obviously about the future of education and computer science and the fact that my eighth graders, we gave them a a social good project focused on whatever they wanted, but we said, you need to use chat GPT and you have to make something that you've never seen before. And you have that end and then you have the sixth graders down just getting the basics. And then you have seventh graders when you're trying to say, okay, don't do your apps in chat GPT, but here just do a trivial code and, and try to do rock, paper, scissors, um, by yourself when it's everywhere on the internet. And it's kind of like, what do you do in the middle between a a beginner and a not so beginner? And these like idea of putting in the ability to make amazing things for social good for education is, is kind of where we're at with circuit Python. It's pretty cool. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think the big thing that, um, that it, that it does do for education is that because it makes doing so many things uh, relatively, I mean, I say relatively because it can get very complicated if you want it to, but relatively simple is that you can, you can tell someone who's in the middle 
um, to just be creative, right? And the the getting from the thing in your brain to the writing of the code and the actual project, there's a lot less barriers there. And so you're you're in a situation where you you can be not so much vague, but like um more broad in what you say, and you don't have to get super specific because super specific limits creativity. Whether or not anybody likes it, it's just once someone hears do this project, they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna do that project or they're gonna limit what they think about to the scope of that project and not say, well, what about this ridiculous thing over here? And that's what you want is the ridiculous thing over here. So being able to say, do a project that you think is creative, that is, here's here's three, you know, three things we want you to incorporate, but that's it. And anything else is you. And that's a really big deal um, for for anyone on any level, but definitely for the middle for the people that are, you know, not quite beginner but not quite expert yet. Um, it means it's you can expand on what you want to do from when you're just making an LED blink and the being able to make that happen is is still reasonable. It's still reasonable and quite, quite easy to do. So I think that's where that comes in. Um, it's just that it's easy to take the thing in your brain and turn it into an actual piece of hardware doing something. Um, and you you have those skills, you just kind of haven't used them to the extent that this project calls for yet. And that's what that's what you want is expanding those those skills. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was thinking about about this a little bit as we were talking and preparing for the episode. Um, I think the first programmable hardware that I ever worked with was um, all Arduino, and it was like an Arduino Uno that. All I wanted it to do, I, I had, I wanted to ring one of those like little bells that you see like at a hotel desk or whatever. It's like this ding, ding, ding. And I wanted to make it so that it would ring a bell um, when someone tweeted, right? And I, I came up with this ridiculous Rube Goldberg type contraption where it had a servo and like the hammer that I stole out of a um, Don't Break the Ice board game. Remember that one where you had to like, bash the little blocks of ice and and if and if it all fell then you lost i took the little green hammer out of that and i super glued it onto a servo and like hooked it up to this uh this thing actually it was a, it was a raspberry pi i'm confusing this it was raspberry pi but i remember just kind of getting to the point where i could do that and literally the only thing was if a tweet comes in activate this servo right and in order to do that i had to get a raspberry pi i had to wire it up i had to like i think i was doing using like node red or something like that to do all the interactions with twitter and with the servos and everything wire it all up and then get it to um to move the servo and line everything up and i was able to do it over the course of a couple days but that whole process of saying i want to do this thing right i have this idea or this dream that i want to do and i want to make it real and for me to get from nothing to working uh, prototype took a lot of different steps that I had to to follow and challenges that I had to overcome in order to get there. Mm-hmm. And and that was my middle, right? Like that was my middle project from where I started with Arduino and that Uno board to later on where I was using CircuitPython to do some cool things based on a lot of your guides. 
that middle one was probably one of the hardest projects I had to do because I knew enough to be dangerous. I knew that it was possible, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And, and all the steps in between were relatively complicated, like install this, do this, hook it up to a computer. How am I going to make this work? Um, and what I like about CircuitPython is that if I were to do that same thing, probably I would have to come up with what's the right board that would have connectivity to be able to pick up Twitter, um, you know, posts and then uh, have it hook up to a servo. And the rest of it's just Python code. Right. And it's pretty straightforward from there. So it's it lowers those barriers. Right. It makes them easier to hop over instead of having to think about them as being insurmountable walls to get from one step to the next. The only thing you need to install anywhere, uh, if is if the board has never had CircuitPython on it, you need to load CircuitPython on it. That's very simple. It's explained in every board guide. Um, beyond that, you need an IDE. You need a an, a code editor, and that's it. Yeah, you can you could use your you know Notepad if you wanted to. It's not a great one. I don't recommend it. But <laughs> if it's if it's all you have, it's possible. Yeah, and Moo but, Editor works really well with. Uh, it, Exactly. And, and yes, we it's it's a it's a simpler editor. Um, it's got the serial console and um, uh, a plotter built in. Um, and so it, it definitely makes it much simpler to get started with CircuitPython because everything is right there um, versus learning how to use a terminal program and a command line thing, which is, you know, a, definitely a advanced version of it. Uh, Mute editor, you click a button. And you get that that serial console where all of your print statements and or errors are printed, and and it helps definitely um, with troubleshooting for sure. Yeah, I, and I think that's one of the um, that's the other benefit for education is that the, the it's a simple way to get started, right? But you also have I mean, you you've noticed we've only mentioned a few boards by name here, but there's as of the time of this, four hundred and thirteen boards that are available. <laughs> on circuitpython.org right everything and sean, from, o- and sean owns uh, owns like 308 of them <laughs> well the, the majority UPS of them are actually later. not yeah the majority of them are actually not adafruit yeah and, and that's we, that's we have really so cool many thing. other folks who have designed boards who want it to work with CircuitPython for all of the reasons that we've been talking about and uh most of the boards that aren't adafruit were added by the folks who designed them so that is like an extra step they wanted to take to be able to say it's CircuitPython compatible. Yeah. And so you've got you've got just this huge range of different kinds of boards that you can use um, for a wide variety of purposes. But in education, one of the hardest things is getting every kid to get hands on with something. Right. Can they actually do it if you're working with really expensive, you know, fragile sorts of um, sorts of components? you might only be able to get a couple of them for a classroom. And then how much time do kids really get? Whereas a lot of these boards are pretty affordable. They're pretty uh, something that, you know, most classrooms could get a set of 20 or 30 of them for not that much money and be able to get going. Some of these are what, four or $5 a board, maybe $40 a board for some of the really fancy ones. They're not crazy amounts of money. Um, And and Adafruit, at least for boards that are through Adafruit also does uh, education pricing. So there's like, I don't know the details because I've obviously not dealt with it. Um, but there's discounts for for educators as well. So that's something worth keeping in mind is you can not only like afford this stuff, but you would also be able to maybe get a little more because 
the cost of of the board itself is is brought down. And so if you had a, a budget of X amount, you'd be able to fill the rest of that budget with um, fun extras to go with it. Well, I have a question. I'm going to throw you one. Um, top five best boards to buy for education, for ease and for fun projects. Obviously, Blue Fruit's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, <laughs> but that that's just mine. <laughs> yeah. So, I would I would say top one for for me 100% for education is the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. Um there is the Circuit Playground Express, which is also excellent. However, the the microchip on it, which is what makes up the brains of a microcontroller, is um it's, it's small, not in terms of size physically, but it's small in terms of memory. And so it's, you very quickly, as you get into more complicated code, will run into problems because it just can't handle it. And uh, the, circuit, the, the chip on the Circuit Playground Blue Fruit doesn't have that problem. So you, you lose the, the, the difference between the two boards other than uh, Bluetooth is there's no, um, there's no infrared sensors on the blue fruit versus there are on the circuit playground express. So there's, there's very little difference between them. And in fact, there's a, a library that, that I wrote, um, that makes it working with it super simple because it does all the hardware setup in the background. So you can get right into the Python code without understanding how to tell circuit Python where to look for things. And that works on both. It works exactly the same on both. So if you have a mix of them, you, you are totally fine. But the Blue Fruit is a little bit beefier, and so it works a little better. I would say number two is the Circuit Playground Express um, for all the same reasons. It has – both of them have a bunch of LEDs, sensors, touchpads, switches, buttons, all this stuff built in. So you can do all kinds of projects with just that board. You don't have to attach anything to it. Um, the, the pads around the outside are alligator clip friendly. So if you do want to attach stuff to it, pretty easy to do. Um, and – so you, but you can get a, you can get a lot of learning in and a lot of creativity and a lot of things done with just that board. So in that case, you don't have to buy accessories to go with it. If you, if your budget is X amount, you can just get X amount of circuit playground. They're also the same price, the blue fruit and the, I think, um, the express. So you can get X amount of those and hand them out to your kids. And as for, um, you're talking about fragile, uh, I carried them to Python with, 70 of them in a Ziploc bag crammed in my luggage somewhere and would just throw them around as I was like getting them out. It, they're not fragile <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I think I've seen them thrown across a classroom before. <laughs> I mean, like, you could tear stuff off it if you tried, but yes, yeah. I've never run into that. So that's, I a think good, that's the only thing, thing I've too. seen is the USB thing, but that's from a kid that's literally trying to break it. I think getting mad at it. <laughs> so. um, other, other boards. So beyond that point, you're looking at a microcontroller that that doesn't necessarily have, uh, you know, fun buttons and other things built in. So you're going to need to either solder, um, which obviously adds a little complication, or uh, or you can do the soldering and and then just give the board to them on a on a breadboard. But at that point, you're also buying breadboards. Um, you would then need to wire things up, which is a whole next step. Um, you can't because of the, the because of those alligator pads around the outside of the the blue fruit and the express. You can learn how to wire things up without needing to solder. But these other boards often require soldering. Now, 
the cool thing about most of our recent boards, um, all of our recent boards, I say recent in the last couple of years, um, is that there's a STEM QT connector on it, which is um, it, it, it's a communicator. It, it, it talks to the board using a particular communication protocol, a particular language of talking. Um, and we have so many things, so many sensors, so many like displays and, and buttons and all this other stuff that use that connector. And, and you can just put the little cable between the two, which means you can get a bunch of accessories for the board and not have to solder anything. And most of those things daisy chain, you can put 10 of them together as long as there's no address conflicts. And uh, you, you just use them. So there's no soldering needed there. So there, there's there's some ways that they that all the other boards have become fairly extensible to um, to use. Uh, there's also boards like the Funhouse um, or the. I, I was going to say Pi I've Portal, got the, but I've got the Pi Portal here. Um, yeah, I think the, I think the the Funhouse is a um, is a good board because it has a display, but it also has buttons and like a touchpad and a little slider and all this other stuff. Um, and so that's got a display on it, which means you can actually work with display code and, 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 and showing, you know, there's a temperature sensor attached to it. Cool. Okay. What is the temperature? Well, it shows up on that display if you, if you add the code. Um, and so boards like that as well are, are good. Basically anything that's got multiple things built in to work with are excellent, but because of the Stemma connector, um, you can add all sorts of stuff to any of our existing boards and the, um, feather boards, so, for example, the Feather RP2040, right? I use that for a lot of things. Um, has, all the feathers have a battery connector on them. So you can also power all of that, just like the Circuit Playground Express and Bluefruit, you can also power all of that off of a, a lithium-ion polymer battery. So the other cool thing is you can get pe- you can get those kids disconnected from their computers and running around the room, which maybe you don't want, but... <laughs> get them get them real into it right and they can just they can go play zombie tag or or whatever you know example they're working on thing you know where where you work together with with another group to to do you know multiple things um that's a game cost and that's a good cost board it's only like i'm looking at it right now eleven dollars if you buy more than 10 so that's that's great I mean, and I think that's a lot of the fun that I have, uh, you know, digging around on Adafruit and on the circuitpython.org website is looking at all the really interesting boards that are out there. And there's some stuff that just opens up that creativity, right? Like one of the earliest boards that came out was the Gemma M0, right? Yep. Like it's a, it's not a very powerful board by comparison to later boards like the RP2040, but it's so, it's small and you can actually sew it into clothing. Right. Yep. So now you get all this wearable textile stuff that you can work with and it's super light. It has a battery connector on it. Also, you can run mm-hmm. uh, NeoPixels off of it. It's just awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's basically yeah. a tiny version of the um, of the of the circuit playground boards. Um, yeah. which I, the, but the Gemma came first. So they're just a big version of the Gemma, I suppose, is a better way to put it. Yeah, I mean, everybody has to grow up someday, right? And add more more things. <laughs> but I mean, even just there's fun boards out there, like the uh, Hollow Wing, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little skull shaped board that runs Circuit Python, and you can it has a screen on it, and there's all kinds of cool like Halloween uh, guides to make stuff that that work with the Hollow Wing. Um, I'm looking through here. There's a couple others that I've played with that are there are the Neo fun. Trellis you brought in. Oh, the, the Neo, Neo Trellis, Trellis with all the, all the yeah, those are very satisfying, uh, satisfying <laughs> button covers. Oh yeah, that was whoever like sourced the silicone like pads for that. 
well done. Like that was, that was really cool. Right. Um, so you see why I asked you Katni, cause he's going to name like 20 boards. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's so addicted to Adafruit. He's buying I mean, stock in it. <laughs> well, I mean, and even just, there's just so many, so many things to play with. And remember I talked about that, like, um, that Arduino Uno that I worked with back in the day. I like, I dug out the, this, uno hat that i had made for it that was also from made of fruit but it had like one of those old school lcd um two row displays on it yeah the right? character lcds yeah. the character lcds and i love it because it's so cool and retro and you can play around with it and i soldered it myself it was one of my first complicated soldering things i did so i'm proud of all my really bad blobby joints on it but um but they make um a pin compatible uno style um circuit python board called the air or the the metro right yeah so the i was metro able form factor and we have yeah. so many so many different versions of it and some of them have wi-fi and everything so like the first thing i did was like i took that hat that i soldered 10 years earlier and i plugged it on top of the the circuit python board that was pin compatible with it and i wrote code that was like displaying you know characters on the board and it was really satisfying to be able to connect those together and make it work so yeah that that variety of boards and the just so many creative ways of doing it um with 400 boards out there you've got a lot of options yep all right another question sorry i'm going back to the basic sides i like flip no off worries. of um quick quick couple tips because we we did a we got four or five boards we got 10 more with sean love it and then uh tips techniques or common problems that teachers could watch out for i know for me it's just like plugging it in and getting it connected with a mac sometimes is annoying that's my major one um my second one is libraries sometimes with the blue fruit knowing which libraries extra besides the ones that are on the website that they may yeah. want that's my two biggest ones. What are other common issues that you've heard of? So the most, so I, even, even myself, I've done tutorials and it, the stuff I've run into is definitely stuff that, um, that teachers would run into, uh, same concept. Um, the, the getting things going part is always difficult. Um, you may want to set aside a whole class period just for that. And it doesn't, there's, and you're going to have some bored kids for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, because some of them is just, it's just going to work. Um, others, it depends on the computer platform. It depends on, you know, the cable, because there's, there's charge only USB cables, which have no data line in them and those don't work. Um, That's a hard learn. You, I did that. Well, exactly. Right. <laughs> we, we now put that caveat everywhere because of that. Um, and getting uh, Mew working and connected um, sometimes there's issues with connecting to the serial console, which, uh, cause it's a, it's a serial communication format. And, um, there are sometimes, uh, computers want permissions, very specific permissions to allow that. Um, uh, and it's not always obvious. It doesn't always, it just won't work. It doesn't tell you why. Um, and, uh, there's, Getting CircuitPython loaded on the board, sometimes that's something you could do ahead of time. Otherwise, you may want to teach the kids how to do it. And or uh, if they've been using the same boards for six months, you want to upgrade. So that is always a test of, uh, test of, uh, I can't think of the word now, um, sticking with it. Uh, because okay. that one, there's always 
confusion and where did I, what do I do with this file and where did I get it? And I copied it to the thing and it's doing nothing. And it turns out they're copying it to the circuit pie drive, not the uh, bootloader drive, uh, stuff like that. And you have to go figure out each individual situation because it's never everybody having the same problem. Um, so the, the getting it going part, you just have to set aside time for it. Uh, it's, it's completely doable. And if you have TAs, it's so much easier. If you don't, which I've done for groups of, you know, 30, 35, 40 people, um, you just have to tell everyone, Hey, it's going to be a minute and go work with those individual folks. Um, so, so that's a, that's a definite caveat, um, is just that the getting going part, despite the fact that it, you know, can be very simple for most folks and it is, um, sometimes can be, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a hang up. Um, yeah. As for libraries, we have put a lot of effort into making that uh, easier, but mostly for existing project guides, uh, where there's a link above any embedded code that says download project bundle. And that bundle has every library you need and the code. And you, you know, basically you will wipe out what's on the, what's on your board right then. So if you want to save what you have, make sure you save it somewhere, but you copy that chunk of stuff including assets image files fonts whatever um sound files you just copy it right over to your board and it will just work everything's there now if you just wrote some complicated code that needs a bunch of libraries and some sound files you have to figure that out and that can be an issue um the biggest recommendation i have is and, and like, I'm capable of writing a whole, you know, large piece of code without having the libraries present. And most of the time it works, but newbies are not. And so my biggest recommendation is teach them to, imp- to copy the library they need as soon as they import it. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they say, oh, I've got this, you know, particulars MCP 9808 sensor. Say, okay, as soon as you import that, I want you to copy that library to your board. And then you don't end up with the situation where you're trying to figure out 10 libraries to copy um, all at the same time. So like I said, for existing code that's in the Adafruit Learn system, download that project bundle. It's got everything you need. Um, For brand new stuff, import things as you you use them. Um, It does make everything overall a little more simple. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think. Go ahead. I'll give you. I'll give you three that I know that. I, just a caveat for teachers out there. My big three learning ones were um, wiping the boards or making sure that there's like at least one new code on there that's kind of cool to give them an idea. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes kids will get a, a a board that's full of really cool code that's already done, and then they're like, "I did it," and they're like, "Really? You didn't do it?" That's yeah. One. <laughs> to teach file file. Um, transfer storage hardware like on your computer versus on the on the board that was huge for Sean and I and teaching them to rename and how to actually find files on their computer yeah um that's like a lesson itself before you even give them the circuit playground Mm -hmm. and then the third one that's really important that I learned a lesson on is that very first code where it's just the little red light blinking make Mm -hmm. sure you tell them it's just the tiny little red light blinking (laughs) and they're looking for a neopixel and it's like no it's just that red light going on and off <laughs> that's right that, that was <laughs> yeah that's that's our hello world it's the very first yeah. piece of code i ever wrote um yeah. 
so the kids no, are waiting for something spectacular and you're like no it's working but i don't see anything you're like no that little dot right there oh <laughs> every tutorial i've given i leave neopixels till the end because as soon as you get into neopixels or sound you're done you're done nobody yeah. nobody's paying any attention anymore because they've figured out how to make the thing light up um yeah. and so it has worked uh yeah. pretty well to to build up to that in ways that um, you can then combine everything that has been learned into like using the buttons to control the NeoPixels and make noises, right? You've now combined three concepts that you just learned. Um, and I think that that's a good, uh, another thing worth mentioning is, you know, don't start with sounds and NeoPixels unless that's all you're ever going to teach. Yeah. Um, but there's so much fun making them go this true. way and then that way. And then colors. Yeah, every, <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've done, I've always, um, I've always started with a demo code on there. Um, the tutorials I typically didn't. I think Circuit Python and everything was set up, and there were code.py files on them, but they did not do spectacular things. Um, but I hosted Open Spaces at PyCon multiple times, and there's a huge demo on those that shows every single feature. Um, and I immediately tell everyone it's a terrible way to learn Circuit Python because it's very complicated code, but it does let you play with the hardware initially to get an idea of what's possible. And then I send them to basically all of the individual examples for each individual part and say, start with these and go through it and then start combining them. You know, if you want the, the, the LED to turn on when the button is pressed, you know, use this button example and the LED example and see if you can figure that out. Right. And most people do. Um that's a good lesson and, for littles, though. Like when you give them a good code like that and you talk about inputs and outputs, just a heads up. Yeah. Like if you get that really fun code from Adafruit and you give it to the younger kids, I'm talking even lower school and say, look, here's an input. Here's an output. Here's a little computer. It's really fun. A lot of yeah, engagement for sure. going there. I can imagine, which is really the point, right? Engagement is is the huge end goal, um, especially for younger kids. So all right. Well, I think we have time for one last question, and I'm I'm going to steal it. Um, okay. My my question is, is um, just let's talk about what's possible, right? Like, what what have you seen? What are the things that are probably the most interesting or cool projects that people have pulled off with Circuit Python that can get our our listeners thinking about what they can do and how they can apply this in in their classroom? Anything that that comes to mind that's like, wow, that was really pretty amazing, or people really got into that um, other than sports scores, which we, we've already talked about. Right. <laughs> um, that, that physics example blew, blew my mind. Um, I, now it's one of my first, you know, things I bring up when people ask me questions like this um, is just, it was, it was so out there to me, like nothing I had ever considered being possible and or considered being able to do with circuit Python. So that one, that's why that one kind of blew my mind. And it's a good example of the fact that, there's so much you can do with circuit python that if you haven't thought of it yet doesn't mean you can't do it um and if it's a weird thing you come up with you know you're absolutely going to be able to do it um uh, we do have a lot of uh midi projects midi controller projects uh those are super excellent and also uh folks get real into being able to make lots of sounds um and so those are some pretty good examples. There's a number of different boards that have been used for that sort of thing, including the Neotrellis mm -hmm. um, in some pretty neat ways. Um, we All the boards with uh, displays on them and or if you connect a display to a board, 
uh, allow you to do all kinds of stuff, including uh, displaying GIFs and uh, quick videos. Um, you can display images, uh, that sort of thing. Also text, obviously. Um, that gives a lot of leeway in terms of you know what <clears throat> what images and why and what text and why. And maybe it's sensor data. Maybe it's something you're pulling from the internet. Um, you know, there's like pages that have just quotes or something to that effect. And you can pull the quotes, you know, each day. Um, it's, uh, let's see what else. Um, I mean, environmental sensing is, is pretty fascinating. Uh, especially because you can, you can, you know, like on a, on a temperature and humidity board, you can uh, breathe on it and it changes very quickly. So that's something that is quick to interact um, versus air quality doesn't change super fast typically. Um, so that might be not as interesting, but being able to like, take, you know, this thing and have it maybe light up when it reaches a point, you can breathe on it and make it light up. And that's now you doing a thing. Um, almost anything involving NeoPixels, I would say, um, simply because it's, it's a, it's a very obvious change you, you change a color or you make a rainbow happen or it sparkles or whatever you make it do. It's, it's very apparent. And, um, for a lot of people, that's a big deal. I, I will definitely say there are plenty of people who just don't get hooked in by LEDs. And so that's why you don't want to only do that. Um, but definitely that catches a lot of folks. There's, uh, IOT setups. Uh, we have boards that, that have uh, wireless on them and you can, uh, connect to, you know, you know, things in your in your smart home, but in terms of the classroom, you can connect to other boards or, you know, like an internet service that is providing some piece of information and do all kinds of stuff with it once you have it. Um, display it on display or make the LEDs change color. Or I had a project where I had the LEDs doing a thing and um, someone could tweet a particular color and it would change the LEDs to that color. Um, in fact, my, uh, PyCon badge, I had a, I had a Pi badge set up at PyCon this year that was hosting its own little website that if you went to that, um, if you were on the same wireless, so you went to that IP address, you could use a color picker to change the colors on my badge. And, uh, during one of the events, I'm, I'm, I posted to Mastodon about it and, and the LEDs were just changing the whole, the whole event, which was amazing. Um, and stuff like, I mean, stuff like that is possible. It, it's it, it's kind of endless. If if you can think of it, it it's some form of it is possible. Some things are obviously a little complicated or a little too big, or there isn't hardware for it. Or um, you're probably not going to build a circuit Python car, at least for now. Hold my coffee. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but you know, you could you could build a little robot that's a car and have it control it and do things. I mean, there's plenty of CircuitPython robot things going on with legs and, and individual control over them and so on and so forth. And um, so it, it's got places in robotics. Like, obviously, we talked earlier about some of the science implications. Um, there's assistive technology. There's um, all kinds of sensing. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, radio signals and uh, wireless and Bluetooth um, you can control, for example, the blue, the blue fruit has, there's an app on, uh, that Adafruit wrote for Android and iOS that you can connect to the board and do things, um, control the LEDs or change, change something or whatever from buttons on your phone, um, which is, you know, also kind of fascinating at times. Um, 
so the, the 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 possibilities are endless at the moment because we still haven't reached that point um and folks are coming up with new and you know new and, and different things um to do definitely with it can, and definitely can fill a, a year's worth of curriculum uh learning everything about python doing all kinds of social good changes it, it is yeah. it is a it is a amazing product and we haven't even sure. talked about the fun stuff. Like there's a whole <laughs> section of the Adafruit learning system on like cosplay uh, uses for, for yeah. boards and Python and everything. It's, it's amazing. So if you can dream it, you can pretty much do it. It's I, I have a, this is a, a photo light box that's running circuit Python. This, this one with the white diffuser mm -hmm. on it. And the one that's here is um, grow lights over air plants. Nice. And it's all circuit Python. Wow. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, personal stuff, you know, you just, I'm like, hey, I need to, I need to, I have these plants. I don't want them to die. CircuitPython. You know, I need to take photos. CircuitPython. This is, this, uh, this light box is actually the first, um, the first real build I ever did. And I, but it was before I wrote my first guide because I wanted to get really good pictures for the guide. So I decided to build this, this light box. That's um, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we we said we'd talk for forty five minutes, and here we are an hour later because <laughs> because it's way too much fun. Um, why don't we wrap it up here, uh, Katni? Of course, people can find you on uh, the Adafruit Learning System and all mm -hmm. of the guides that you're writing there. Where else can they catch up with what you're doing online and follow you for projects and everything? Uh, is Mastodon the best place, or are there are other places? I mean, Mastodon is is where I am. So yes, uh, I am uh, at Katni at Octodon Social. Uh, as well, probably the more, um, cause I, I, I do post about some of the stuff I do, but I don't post, uh, projects there that often. Um, the Adafruit discord server, obviously there's a lot of, uh, Adafruit talk there. So I, I do talk a lot about projects I'm working on and so on, um, on there. And you can get to that by going to, uh, adafru.it slash discord. And that invite will get you into the server. And I am at Katni. So pretty easy to find. Nice. Kelly, do we have any announcements for our audience or anything to share with them this week? Not yet. I'm still lining up. Uh, we are trying to get every Wednesday, almost every Wednesday at three for live streaming. So if I forget to tweet about it like crazy or put it on LinkedIn, we are there. Um, that's that's our goal. Every, every Wednesday, except for the 21st of June and the 28th of July when Sean and I actually are going to not be around on Wednesday, but that's our goal. We'll see if we can come through with it. I'm officially calling it the summer of streaming. Summer of streaming. And I wrote two blog posts. Um, I had inspiration and I'm going to try to write some more, but those are my two reflections for the end. And it's pretty much all chat GPT kind of thinking and a lot of things going on with that and re rethinking curriculum and stuff. So not curriculum, but the teaching curriculum, obviously not the written curriculum, little caveat for my work, <laughs> the teaching, the, the actual lessons. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, Katni, thank you for joining us this week. It's been really a pleasure catching up with you and talking about CircuitPython. Um, as you can tell, like Kelly and I have, have been working with it, it for a while. We love it. We love teaching it. Um, we know our students really get into it. And so thank you for all you've done to build the community up and help us learn how to use CircuitPython better, both in the classroom and for our personal projects. So, you know, just can't say enough good things. You know, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Kelly's a huge fan. 
um, just keep going and uh, can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you very much. Uh, and you're entirely welcome. And thanks so much for having me on. Nice. Well, for yeah. Teaching Python, then this is Sean. And this is Kelly signing off. <laughs>